I would say a strange Easter. And I was telling the staff here before I got on, it's just really hitting me a little bit harder than I expected it to this morning. I feel like I'm usually like getting prepared to do baptisms and come together and meet with everyone. And there is a strange sort of grief to not being able to do it in that sort of space. And I was thinking about how today feels more like Holy Saturday than Easter Sunday. You know, it's like Holy Saturday feels so relatable right now. It's like the disciples were scared. They'd just been through a trauma and they're all sequestered away and locked together in somebody's home and they're just not sure what's going to happen. I thought, man, I, I can preach a Holy Saturday sermon. It's like, we're living that. I was thinking about how Ken last week, you know, he said that if there's one thing that he feels like he has a confidence in, in his own spiritual journey, that it's this confidence that praying for our loved ones is meaningful and powerful. And I've been chewing on that a little bit this week. And I've been thinking about how, how faith is really a communal experience. And that when our own ebbs and flows, that we can lean on the faith of others when ours feels like it's faltering. And that was a comforting thought to me because I thought we're not alone in this. This isn't just an individual sort of journey. And then I was thinking about my own sort of spiritual um, path. And I was thinking, gosh, if there's anything that I feel like I have a confidence in, like one of those sort of handholds um, that I can just feel like I can grip onto when I need it. It's this confidence that God's presence is always accessible and near to me. And so I found myself just remembering this week all these various difficult times in my life. And what ties them together is a sense that God was there. Right? It wasn't that God made the bad things go away, but a sense that God was just there with me in them. I was remembering one of my first memories as a kid was I had this sort of secret forest hideout. So I, I grew up on some land. Uh, my parents bought 10 acres of land with some family friends. And so it was forested and there was a creek running through it. And so we built a home on that land. And then a few years later, the family friends then built one next to us. So I was probably seven or eight. And before these family friends built, I had found this little space that I made like my fort, right? It was my little secret retreat place, the way kids have little spaces that they go to. And I would go there and I would talk to God. Like that's where I would go to pray. And then one day, those people who bought the land next to ours, they started building their house and my hideout got bulldozed in the process. And I just have this memory of standing there and looking at it and crying but also feeling like Jesus was standing there with me, also feeling sad about it. And then I was thinking a little bit about how when I came out publicly, gosh, it was almost six years ago. It doesn't even feel painful to talk about anymore. It's like time flies. And I was remembering that week when I was going to come out from the pulpit and I was having panic attacks and I got really sick. I had a fever of 102 degrees. I don't think it was COVID. <laughs> it's been a little while. And I remember I was sitting with Charles Park, who's another pastor from New York who had flown in to kind of encourage me. And we were sitting over in the hotel lobby of that hotel on Carpenter Road. I think it's the Regent Hotel. So if you're in Ann Arbor, you might know like over by the Bob Evans over in that space. So we were sitting in this hotel lobby by the Bob Evans. And I remember I was so sick and I was just crying and I was saying, I don't know if I can do this. 
And I remember I put my head down. I was exhausted. I put my head down onto the table. And I remember in that space, I felt like I heard God say to me, you can do this. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. But if you do it, I'll be with you. And the sense that God would like honor all of the LGBTQ people and their allies who are suffering with this. But the idea was that like, I'll be with you. You don't have to do this, but if you do, I'm there. And the voice didn't tell me that the suffering would go away. And it didn't tell me that I wouldn't have to endure the thing that I was dreading. It just said it would be with me. And so when that Sunday morning came, I remember um, just as I was going to go up to the pulpit, I remember taking a deep breath in and just saying, God, where are you? I just need to know like where you're at right here. I needed some grounding post. And I felt like I heard this presence say, I'm right here. I'm just behind you. And that gave me the strength that, to do what I felt like I needed to do. And so I've been sort of processing some of these different ideas of the presence being with us in our, in our hardships as I was reading through the Easter story that we heard Hope and, and Susan read through this morning from the Gospel of John. And I want to go through it just a little bit more here, and I want to invite you to just really imagine um, the scenario of what's going on. That it was early morning on Sunday, all of the disciples had been locked away together, scared, unsure what to do. It was Sabbath. And so early on Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene got up and it was still dark outside and she walked to Jesus's tomb. And when she got there, the stone was rolled away. And so of course this freaked her out. She thought maybe somebody had stolen the body. And so she ran back and she told the other disciples and she like came rushing into the house with news. And she's just like, look, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they've put him. And so probably in a panic, Peter and John ran to the tomb. And since John was the one to write this particular account down, he includes the detail that he ran faster than Peter and that he beat him there. And he says it twice to make sure that we know that Peter was soundly outrun. And those of you who have multiple children at home <laughs> right now, you probably understand this nice little competitive thing they have going on. All right, so Peter, for all times and all places, we all know that John beat him. So Peter gets there and he goes inside and he sees the burial wrappings. And again, they didn't know what to do. They just assumed somebody had stolen Jesus's body. So they went back to their homes. But Mary, she stayed at the tomb and she was just standing outside of it crying. And then we're told that there were two angels that said to her, Mary, why are you crying? And she said, they've taken my Lord away. I don't know where they put him. And then we're told that she turns, right? She turns and she sees a man that she doesn't recognize. And she thinks that he's the gardener. And those details are not mistakes. Mary doesn't recognize the man, and she thinks that he's the gardener. And this is supposed to evoke that first creation story in Genesis, the Garden of Eden. Jesus is the gardener. This is the start of a new garden, the start of a new creation. And so Mary, she says to this man who she believes is the gardener, she says, sir, if you've carried them away, tell me where you've put them. I'll go get them. And that's when Jesus says her name. He says, Mary. And that's when the text says she turned toward him again. Right? This is the second time that she turns toward him in two verses. Right? So the first time she turns around and sees somebody she doesn't recognize, but now after he says her name, she turns toward him again. And this time she recognizes him. It's like she's waking up from a dream. And she goes to him and she grabs him and she holds him and she cries out, Raboni, which means teacher. 
And then Jesus says, don't hold on to me, but go and tell everybody what you've seen. And he says, go and tell them hope is alive. And that even though they're scared and they're sequestered away and they're strategizing about what they need to do and how they can keep themselves and their families safe, tell them Jesus lives. Tell them that the living presence of God cannot be contained. It can't be restrained. It can't be bottled up. It can't be killed. It can't even be tainted by COVID-19. The presence is alive. And like Mary, I know I sometimes don't always recognize the presence of God when God is near. And the Easter story tells us that Jesus is near and that Jesus knows our name, even when we don't necessarily recognize him back. Right? He knows our name. He knows our pain. And this living presence is all around us. And so we're to live as a resurrection people, right? That even when things are scary or hard or they don't turn out the way we want them to, this presence brings peace and assurance that love and that hope will overcome. And it still feels like Holy Saturday to me. But we remind ourselves that Sunday always comes around. It's that old song, Sunday's a coming. And so I want to encourage you this morning that the presence of God is near you. Even when you aren't even sure, it feels like nothing is going right. The presence is there. The presence is there with people who are sick in the hospital, who are quarantined, and we're grieving the fact that they're not with loved ones surrounding them, but the presence is there. For those of you working in hospitals, the presence is there with you in the midst of all of your own trauma and grief. For those of us who are working on couches from home, the presence is there beside us. The presence is here, and it's that that I want to remember on this Easter Sunday. And so for our meditation, I want us to just take a moment and get comfortable. And if we've relaxed ourselves earlier, I just want to spend a minute or two um, with us just asking God where this presence is in our home or wherever it is that you're, wherever it is that you are um, sitting right now. It's like when I went up on the stage, when I came out, I was just like, Jesus, where are you? And I had this very definite sense that Jesus was standing behind me. So maybe just ask Jesus, where are you right now? And sit with that and see what is Jesus feeling? Is Jesus saying anything to you? Let's take about a minute to do this. Jesus, I ask that your living presence would be present with us as we go through our lives and in the moments that feel mundane or hard, that you will make yourself known to us or that we can just ask, where are you? And that we'll experience the comfort um, that your spirit and your presence brings. In the name of Jesus, amen.
Now I'd like to invite Liz Dyer, who's going to give us our Mama Bear Minute. Thank you, Emily. Um, good morning. Uh, I'm really excited to be here with everyone this morning for Easter. I've never celebrated Easter like this. I'm sure none of you have either, but I do consider it a blessing that we can get together like this virtually. So it's great to be here. I'll be honest, I was a little nervous about thinking about saying something to all of you on uh, Easter on such an important Christian holiday. Uh, if you know me, you probably know I've gone through a um, very intense deconstruction process in regards to my faith over the last 10 or 12 years. And I know that many of uh, the mama bears have um, gone through that same process. And so sometimes we don't know what we believe about Christian stuff, um, especially about miraculous wonders. And of course, Easter is um, surrounded with miraculous wonders. I'm not saying what I do or don't believe about Easter. I really, if you ask me most things, I'd say I don't know. Um, but what's great about the deconstruction process, I think for most of us, is we come to this wonderful realization that um, our Christian tradition, Christian beliefs are really not so much about what we actually believe, but it's about uh, the truth that we find in these things. And um, I think Easter is about something much more important than whether we believe there was an actual empty tomb or not. Um, I think Easter is about important things like hope and second chances and new life and uh, resurrection. I don't know if you've heard of Pete Rollins, but he is uh, one of my very favorite uh, progressive Christians. He's a philosopher and many people call him a radical theologian, which I think is a pretty good um, uh, descriptor of him. Uh, I like what he says about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, he tells a story that uh, after one of his speaking engagements, someone, um, was asking him a question during the Q&A time, and they made the comment that although they loved all his philosophical positions and his radical theological ideas, that they were concerned that it was kind of taking him and others away from um, traditional Christian uh, beliefs. And they point blank asked him if he denied the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Pete says that he thought about it for a minute and he decided that it was time that he would confess right there in public. And so he said this, let me read what he said. He said, um, without equivocation or hesitation, I fully and completely admit that I do deny the resurrection of Christ. This is something that anyone who knows me could tell you. And I'm not afraid to say it publicly, no matter what some people may think. I deny the resurrection of Christ every time I do not serve at the feet of the oppressed. I deny the resurrection of Christ every time that I turn my back on the poor. I deny the resurrection of Christ when I close my ears to the cries of the downtrodden and lend my support to an unjust and corrupt system. But, he says, I also affirm the resurrection of Christ. I do it in these moments, although they may be few and far between, but I affirm the Christian, the resurrection of Christ when I stand up for those who are forced to live on their knees, when I speak for those who have had their tongues torn out, and when I cry for those who have no more tears left to shed. I like that because it reminds me that really what Easter is really about is 
whether Jesus is alive within us. Um, we can either deny the resurrection of Christ or affirm the resurrection of him in the way that we um, love one another, the way we interact with the world, the way we take care of our environment, uh, the way we include others. Um, so that's the question that I think we want to ask ourselves today. Is the spirit of Jesus resurrected and alive in us? And, and it's easy uh, for us to forget to do those things, especially in the chaos of a pandemic. But I hope that we'll go out today with the Easter message inspiring all of us to, to live like Jesus has been resurrected. So remember, stay safe, wash your hands, love others, and, and remember you're not alone. I love y'all.